From the Palmetto Family Podcast Network, you are listening to South Carolina Connections. I'm your host, Corey Truex. We are back with a new edition of South Carolina Connections with Corey Truax after after a hiatus that was much too long and primarily caused by this. I cannot tell you how sick I was. I went to New York City on vacation because that's a thing I do with some regularity. I try to get up to the city once a year. Maybe we'll talk later on on another episode about my affinity for New York City and how it is a testament to the American spirit. We, We might do that one day. But I went up there with my incredible immune system, I do believe it is awesome, that is attuned to the germs of the southeastern United States. And with the tourists that are there in New York City, like me, they're literally from all around the world. And I was diagnosed with some kind of flu. I caught some kind of flu that is not native to here. And it beat me up for eight days before I was totally recovered from it. But it's good to be back at the microphone for South Carolina Connections from Palmetto Family Podcast Network. Before we get into the content for today, let me point you in that direction. PalmettoFamily.org, PalmettoFamily.org, and all the great work that Josh Putnam, Briley Hughes, and Eric Corcoran are doing over there. You can find other shows and interviews and all kinds of good content and news at PalmettoFamily.org. Also follow along at all the social media sites, whether you're on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Just look for Palmetto Family Council. You will find us there. You will also find me, and that's a very, very important and also wise thing to do. I provide you all kinds of content throughout the week on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so I would be highly appreciated. It would be highly appreciated if you would follow along. Just look for Corey Truax. You will find me there. You might even say my my Instagram and Facebook presence is prodigious. It is prolific. There's a lot there that you can consume throughout the week and in between episodes of South Carolina Connections. I'm also several other things. One is the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church up here in Greenville, from which I broadcast. But also, I'm the host of the Corey Truax Show. It is on 91.9 and 92.9 FM up here in the upstate on Christian Talk 90. We call it Christian Christian Talk 91.9. But also, you can get that wherever you listen to this podcast. Wherever you find podcasts, you can find mine, The Corey Truax Show, and I hope you will. I suspect that we might only do one thing today on the show. There's some other pieces of news and things that I want to get to, but I don't know that we'll have time. Here on South Carolina Connections, our goal is to take news in a state or a national level and make it practical, and see how that affects South Carolina and the families of South Carolina. And I heard a podcast here recently from the New York Times. They have a podcast out there called The Daily. I don't listen to it with any kind of regularity, but I was sent. It was sent to me by a listener named Zach. He's also a friend, but it listens to the to the show. And by the way, Zach, if you're listening, thank you for sending it over. It was an episode of the daily that I wish I would have heard uh, uh, you know, on my own before Zach sent it because there was so much depth. I don't know if you've had a experience in reading a book or reading an article, hearing a news event or news item where you are both affirmed 
in your beliefs where your beliefs and thoughts are crystallized in some ways. You become more firm in them. And at the same time, you come away from the same experience totally muddy. Doubting some things and realizing you didn't know some things that you needed to know. That's the thing I I love. I love realizing I learned something. When something genuinely new comes across my intellectual radar, and I know I've learned a new thing, boy, I love that. Whether it be theological or cultural, even pop culture, political, philosophical, when I learn something new, man, I love it. That's a good habit for us all to get into. Palmetto family coming from a particularly religious, and ours is a particularly Christian perspective often. This is a, a thing the Lord gave us. He gave us this brain that's able to accumulate and assimilate knowledge. And to be good stewards of this incredible gift, we should be people that learn. And I, I, I was listening to this episode of The Daily from The New York Times. And I learned some things, and I rethought some things, and I want to share that with you because I think it's important, and I think it answers some of the concerns and questions that are existential in our culture, specifically even in South Carolina. I think it even answers some questions we don't even know to ask. The thing I'm about to show you and the thing I'm about to tell you, I think a lot of us know something instinctual. Like, we know something's changed, something's wrong, but we don't even know how to articulate it, and I think we can help you with that today. And it comes, again, from the story, from the Daily, from the New York Times, and it helped me articulate some things I've been thinking for a long time. So let me give you my background in this, and then we'll get you to that story from the Daily. I've talked about, I think, on this show, but also in my own show in the past, over on the Corey Truax show, that there was definitely at some point in the past, I wasn't sure when, that major employers, big corporations, changed their priorities. And I think about the companies in this state. I think about the BMWs and the GEs and the Michelins and the Boeings and the Floor Daniels. I think about the uh, Sunoco, I think is that one down in Hartsville or the Florence area. And we're talking about big, multi-billion dollar corporations that are right here in South Carolina. And if you work for one of those or know people that work for one of those, or you just generally think about the economic impact those places have on our households and our families, our neighborhoods, our cities. This that I'm about to give you is, I think it's just, it's relevant. So I know at some point the the uh, the priorities of major corporations shifted. I know this partly because I, I studied a lot of history in college and partly just from talking to folks a lot older than I am. I recognized that there was a time in the American corporation, the American company, that the that there were several constituencies at interest. That in the boardrooms of America, the leaders of major corporations thought about their employees, thought about their suppliers, thought about their customers. And they recognized that there were some tensions between all the different constituencies, and it seemed like the CEOs and business leaders of the country wanted to try to serve all of them the best they could. Something happened. I wasn't sure when, and I learned it on this podcast. But there was definitely a time where something happened in the American corporation where the ethic changed. The ethic became only this. Shareholder value. 
whatever we have to do to the employees, whatever happens with the customers, whatever happens with our suppliers and, and the communities around us and where we and where we live and where we operate, whatever we have to do with those folks, shareholder value. What is our value per share? What are we making per share for the investor? The investor to the company became seemingly the only the only interest at stake. It wasn't becoming the priority, but for American corporations, we forget about our employees and we forget about our suppliers, we forget about our communities, and we just want to build shareholder value. And so I see that, and I noticed it with with incomes going up slower than they did. Like Incomes are going up slower in the 90s and 2000s and 2010s than they did in the 50s and 60s and 70s. This is an economic phenomenon that needs some kind of answer because incomes are still going up and life is generally good economically, but what happened? Why did the the nature of a 40-hour, 45-hour-a-week job at a major corporation, why did it change so fundamentally? I'll give you one here. Locally, we keep it in the state. BMW comes to South Carolina in the 90s, I think that's the mid-90s, with this idea that they're going to be the provider of these excellent, incredible, full-time jobs with BMW that come with all these awesome benefits. And it took just maybe over a decade before the pathway to BMW is through temp agencies. That, they, that There's not a ton of people even work for BMW. There's people working for a temp agency that fills their spots. And a temp agency that doesn't come with those, those better salaries and even benefits. Well, why? Why did BMW decide, I mean, using them as just one example in this state of something that's happening more broadly, that happened with J.B. Morgan, J.P. Morgan, that happened with, with Ford, with GE, that's happening now even with Apple and Facebook, that's hap- happening now with companies like NVIDIA, the, uh, the big cloud company. What happened to this BMW that, that was that the thought, well, the, uh, the state that gave us all those tax breaks, they're not the important constituency. The people of the upstate South Carolina and the jobs that we said we were going to provide, that's not the important constituency. What's important? Shareholder value. We've got to build our share price. We need return on investment for the investors. And I could feel it. I knew it was happening, but I didn't know why. And I know that I didn't like it. That's something deep in me said, something's wrong here. And I don't even know if that was, I was saying wrong morally, but I know something is broken economically that this is taking place. And I know I didn't like it. And so I go, that, that's as far as I've gone. I've said that on the air a bunch, that the ma- ma- major corporations have had this switch. They stopped caring about anything except the share price. That's what they wanted to know. And so I even started thinking through like policies on, well, maybe part of what needs to happen is part of compensation for employees is shares. That employees get shares of the company that they work in. And so as the company does gain in value, well, that, doesn't, that will help the employees as well. I thought of ideas like no longer incentivizing Healthcare spending, so companies can't write off what they spend on healthcare premiums, but giving tax incentive and tax write-offs for increases in income, the, the investment you make in, in, in raising people's pay, we're going to give you some kind of tax incentive for that. I tried to think of all the different ways I could to 
Like, what can we do to have American corporations care about their their employees again instead of their investors? And one of my ideas was let's make all the employees investors. Now, also really quickly, this is not some middle to lower class guy that doesn't care about invest investors. I, I use an app called Robinhood. I do some of my own investing, plus my own 401k is tied into what investor in the in the in the quality and the in the price uh, of and, and the health of shares of certain companies. A lot of my own retirement and general hope for wealth in the future is tied up in companies like even Uber, Lyft, uh, Apple, Netflix, Facebook, Amazon. These companies, I want their shareholder value to to go up because I'm their shareholder. I, it's part of my own portfolio. And so that's as far as I went by myself. And then I come across this that Zach sent me from the, from the Daily, from the New York Times, and they talk with someone who's really a historian and expert on this. What I found was that in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, 60s, that even in the business schools, and, and the ethic was, uh, of the boardrooms of America was, we want employees to be happy. But why? Because there's only so many of them. There was a growing need for physical labor, and there was a constricted amount of that labor. There wasn't as much immigration at the time. the The level of expertise people you, that you could people could acquire was very specific in those manufacture in the manufacturing world. You want to hold on to your good employees, and so that was a big part of the constituency because there was uh, the 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 market for employment benefited the employee. It was also just uh, there was some social capital in being a company that said, we gave away 10% of our profits. We donated them. There was some social capital that came along and some good publicity that came along with, we gave, uh, we, we, had, this kind of, uh, pr- we had this kind of profit and we used 20% of our profits to increase the pay of our people. So they were trying to keep good people, but they were also building publicity. But there were some incentives for the American corporation to be providing stronger incomes for their people. And then something happens with the rise of Milton Friedman. Now, I am a giant Milton Friedman uh, fan because I am a fan of the free market system. Free market capitalism. If you want to talk about what's good for South Carolina's families, free market capitalism is. There hasn't been another system of thought in the history of mankind that has led to more people coming out of poverty and more general prosperity for humans than free market capitalism. The, uh, I said this recently on my own show, and it's an important point to make. If you take someone in year 600... And you take them to, and you take someone in your 1700, and you put them in a room together. What you're going to find out is their standard of living was really similar. That in those contravening 1100 years, not a lot happened to make life any better. Then something happens during the period of the Enlightenment. Something happens with the publishing of Adam Smith's first book uh, uh, called Moral Sentiments. On Moral Sentiments, I think was the technical title. And something happens with his book in 1776 that ended up corresponding with the Declaration of Independence timing called The Wealth of Nations. 
and the institution of free markets and this philosophy into the world ended up meaning such an incredible... In, the acceleration of the standard of living on this planet was incredible. And it's, it totally corresponded to capitalism. Milton Friedman comes along in the 70s and 80s, University of Chicago School of Economics, and he's a, he is one of my heroes making the argument for free markets. And one of the arguments he makes, though, is that the chief end of a company, the chief end of a business, its primary motivation, does just need to be profit. That you increase whatever your, how, how far can you be in the black? So therefore, anything that would keep you less in the black is a problem. So if, if you're giving raises that are unnecessary to your employees, as in you can keep your employees, they're going to stay. If it's unnecessary to give them raises, well, don't give them raises. Keep that money. We want to be further in the black. If you don't need to give away, if you're not really getting any benefit from the publicity of giving away a bunch of charity, then don't. You won't be as far in the black. And then that starts to lead on into the idea of, well, the measurement of your success, the way you know you're a good company or not, is how much value you have, how much your market share and your market cap, how much is that going up, how much can you return to your investors. And there was a period of time where people were actually being compensated with shares, stock of a company, so that there could be a, a shared interest in the, in the value of a share of that company for the, for, for the common man who was working for it. And so in, the, in that period of the 80s, throughout the business schools, that was technically when it happened. Like, I knew there was a time when it happened, I just didn't know what it was. But there was actually a movement inside the academic circles of business schools up in, in a Wharton Business School, all the big ones you can think of, that that's what the, the future CEOs and the, the people who were going to populate the boardrooms of America, they were being taught that. They were being taught your job is to go out and build shareholder value. And if the employees get in the way of that, well, then the employees are the ones that need to lose. And if charitable giving, if anything else gets in the way of you building shareholder value, then that needs to go. It's one of the reasons that big business interests have been some of the most pro-immigration voices. Now, personally, I'm, I'm basically for unfettered immigration without any limits, if, as long as you do away with the welfare, the welfare state that we have. I, would, I am for people being able to come into the country. They just have to contribute. They can't take. So, in any event, you have these, these businesses and their leaders, and they, are, they end up being for a lot of immigration because the employee is the enemy now. The employee is keeping us from having higher shareholder value. And so if we can pay an immigrant some, something less... We want to do that because the end is our shareholder value. Now, that's, that sounds like me talking like Bernie Sanders. And actually, it sounds like me talking a little bit like Donald Trump. The two of them actually have very similar tones on this topic. So I want to bring some balance to that and say, well, a lot of 401ks and retirement funds are are tied to the market. And so the 
the argument even from a Milton Friedman is that the moral good is maximize your profit. Be as efficient as possible. Bring as much money into the company as you can. And one of the things that will do is it will filter down into the rest of the economy through building those shares. Building shareholder value that's helping folks retire and helping folks build some wealth in the stock market. And so, I, I'm listening to, the, to this thing from the Daily and finding out this is how we got here. There's actually a movement in the business community, in the academic business world that says, whatever you got to do to build your profit margin, do it. That's the most important thing you can do. Now, what we had uh, as the catalyst for the story is that there was recently a bunch of Fortune 500 companies and CEOs come out with a letter published, I think, in Forbes, and the New York Times published it as well, that says, we're not going to do that anymore. We're even going to be willing to suffer the consequences of coming in below uh, earnings expectations. You know, wh One of the big measurements for business is earnings per share. What was your earnings in a given quarter per share of your company that's out there? And they're saying that we're even willing to suffer on that measurement to do better for our employees and to do better for the for the uh, the communities that we're in, to do better for the country as a whole. Now, I, I have all kinds of consternation and also a lot of mud around this, like intellectual mud. You know, where the crystallization that I had in listening to that story is I knew something changed in the business world. I just didn't know what it was. And now I know. Now I know the narrative of how we got here. But then I have these deep-seated principles about freedom and individual freedom. And some of the things that I'm thinking, some of the instincts I'm having, they bounce up against those principles and I don't know how to react to them. I'm going to give you more on this in just a moment. But I do want to remind you, you're listening to South Carolina Connections with Corey Truax from the Palmetto Family Podcast Network. You can find more at palmettofamily.org. Also follow along on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Look for Palmetto Family Council. And you can also follow along Eric Corcoran's podcast and Josh Putnam's podcast. You can find those wherever you find mine. You can also find them at palmettofamily.org. I want to remind you of those kind folks that bring us South Carolina Connections, and that is Palmetto Family. So, I had the crystallized facts of the case of how we got to where we are. And then I have to start thinking through, well, here we have this, these companies that are saying, we want to change. We want to do something different. So th then I have my economic mind kick in and my free market capitalism kick in, my understanding of economic concepts. And I, I think through just the argument of, of Milton Friedman. Isn't the best thing for a company, company to do is to be efficient? Isn't that the most even moral thing? The most moral thing is be an efficient company. Do the best with your own resources. Which would mean that you get labor for as cheap as you can get it. You give away as little as you can. And there's a lot of consternation in me over these concepts. And I'm almost bringing this up as asking for your feedback and how you would reconcile these things. 
Because here, here I am, uh, I'm something of an historian. I want to be. I used to be more of one academically. That's where my training is. And I think about that, that first book. Adam Smith, you know, writes Wealth of Nations. We give him credit as being the intellectual father of free market capitalism. But before he wrote Wealth of Nations that gives birth to the, eco- to the economic system that is capitalism, he did write Moral Sentiments. That to be a free market, a, a market of free people, you're going to have to have good people. You're going to have to have people that behave themselves. You're going to have to have people of virtue. And so is it then the, vir- is the virtuous thing, then do is make as much profit as possible, or is the virtuous thing to consider as part of the company, as part of the corporation, your employees and your suppliers and your customers, and your community. And so when you're making decisions, what is the greater virtue? Is the greater virtue, because uh, to get down to the nitty-gritty, here's an argument that needs to be considered. When we make the most efficient decision, we're doing the best with our resources. We're stewarding, stewarding our resources the most. So if you're in the boardroom, Imagine that for a minute. You're in the boardroom of a major American company. You're, you're in the boardroom of Apple. And there's a discussion about moving some of the manufacture of the iPhone out of China and out of some of the Asian countries where they do it. And we're, we're still going to get our semiconductors. We're still going to get a lot of the pieces from overseas because that's actually where that stuff most of, that, most of that stuff comes from as a natural resource, especially the stuff that makes up semiconductors. But we want to bring it back and not use, a, not slave labor, but something akin to it for what they're paying the folks in China to put together iPhones. We want to bring that back. And the people of America have been so good to us and buying our products and we provided a good thing and we have such loyal people that we, we're going to take a a 10% hit in our profit margin, but we can bring those jobs back. Think of all the different all the different arguments that come along with that. I mean, for one, I mean, it'd probably be more than 10% of a profit margin. You know, one of the reasons the iPhone is only $1,000, you can usually get the brand new iPhone for about a grand with all the data plans and all that, is because they make it overseas. We all love our iPhones, right? If there was one study that showed if the entire iPhone process happened in the United States, there's no way to sell it for less than like 2500 or 3 grand. Like you it's just such an expensive thing as a piece of uh, as a piece of technology. So it probably even hurt them more than what I just said to bring it back. But do you ask the question, well, why would just putting that money into some given community or putting it into the economy here in the United States, how is that better than keeping our profit margin high and allowing people like Corey to invest in our company and sell some shares off and make a profit off those shares or the people that are investing through their 401k in Apple and they're going to make some money off of it. Which is the greater good? What is the greater virtue? And I can't stand saying this because I think my pride hurts when I say it. I don't know. 
That's a weird place to be when you're a talk show host. To not know. Here's what I do know. I know how we got here. I know I have some discomfort about how we got here. But then I'm uncomfortable with my discomfort. Because my discomfort then really starts to bounce up against my dedication to free market principles and individual freedom. The individual freedom of the CEO to run the company like he wants. The individual freedom of the the board of these companies to run like they see fit. And if they can make a profit, then they can make a profit. I want them to be free. And then I think about the the other interest groups, the companies and the customers and the, excuse me, the, the employees and the customers and the communities and how the how the fruit of all that labor used to be shared differently. Maybe I'll on next week's show have a better answer. Maybe I will have thought through this some more, but I needed to do some verbal processing, and you got to sit in just now for all of my verbal processing of, the, of that information. I would love to know your opinion. You can give me that opinion in all, the, all of these ways. I would love to get your thoughts on any part of the show today. You can provide it at CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com, CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com. You can also send it to me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Look for me, CoreyTruax. You can find me any on any of those sites, and you can send me your thoughts on this topic. You can also reach, uh, what is that one? Yeah, you can reach me on Anchor. If you use the Anchor app on your on your phone, you can find me, CoreyTruax, and leave me a voicemail. You can find me on Marco Polo on that app. You can leave me a, a, a message there as well. I would love to get someone else's thoughts on these matters. Don't forget to check out uh, palmettofamily.org, palmettofamily.org, where you can find more good news, information, Eric Corcoran Show, Josh Putnam Show. We'll be back with another new edition of South Carolina Connections next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love. Peace and love.